Hey, David. What's up? Do you ever wish there was just more places to go mini golfing in the world? Yeah, I do, but I have a problem is I can never get a hole in one because there's always something in the way. Yeah, th- those clowns will get you. Do you know where you could always get a hole in one? Uh, <laughs> where's that? This episode of the Scene on Screen podcast. I was going to come in hot with something quippy, but it's always a good thing when you have special guests come on the show and they're dancing to the <laughs> intro music as it's playing. David, yeah. how are you? I am I am a phenomenal today. This is probably this episode has been in the works for quite some time since Sean and I were we glimmers in our parents' eyes. We thought about this day of talking about one of our favorite VR games of all time. Yeah, and <laughs> at that point VR didn't really exist. There no, was like the was, Super Nintendo Virtual Boy and that hey, wasn't don't even you VR. Just that. that was uh, a <laughs> that was the start of something bigger. I think that could also have been the start of where we are now. We have uh two special guests with us today. We have Edward and Emma, both from Mighty Coconut, the company behind our favorite VR game, Walkabout Mini Golf. How are you guys doing today? Doing awesome today. We're here with good friends, here to talk about (laughs) VR. It's great. It's awesome to have you guys here. Um, So let's just start off right right off the bat. Uh, Tell us a little bit about you guys and uh, how you kind of got into the whole VR sense and uh, working with Mighty Coconut and working on uh, Walkabout Mini Golf. All right. Yeah. Um. So, like you guys, been a big nerd for VR, all that sort of uh, future exciting technology stuff for quite a while. Um, Couldn't quite get my hands on a virtual boy, but did manage to get sort of the uh, Oculus DK1 back, you know, during the Kickstarter days and, um, you know, really try and play around with Unity, get some examples going. But uh, I actually worked as a teacher teaching interactive media and design in the Australian TAFE system, which is one of our tertiary education systems. Mm-hmm. And that all dried up. And during our various COVID lockdowns, this funny little game came out called Walkabout Mini Golf. And I picked it up first day, thought, oh, this is really nice, and reached out and was just talking to Lucas. And when I found out, he was going, oh, I, I want to expand, get more content going. I just sort of threw myself down going, I volunteer as tribute. Let me in. <laughs> Let me in. And uh, so he was like, oh, yeah, we'll get you started. And he gave me sort of one thing to work on, then another and another. And it, I've sort of ended up as a full-time environmental artist. So, yeah, that's a... So did you just like volunteered yourself that you were working there? That you're just like, I'm doing this? <laughs> yeah, I sort of just walked in the virtual door and went, "Hi, I'm here." G- you know, don't you can't get rid of me. Give me money. It's, it's Give me another respect. way of saying f- fake it till you make it, right? Like <laughs> just show Absolutely. up. Absolutely. But... <laughs> Thankfully, I did have a reasonable CV and portfolio to bring in, but there mm-hmm. was certainly an element of 
being like, just just let me in. I just I just want to work on on this mini golf game. It's so good. I find That's that awesome. fascinating too. Like when almost everybody I talk to that has a VR. It's like, oh, yeah, I was bored through the pandemic. And that's like the theme to how Oculus boomed. It wasn't that Oculus was cool or anything. It was just like the world shut down and everybody needed something to do. It's, uh, we it's were locked very inside. Funny. I needed to get virtually out of the house. Mm-hmm. I, I will always remember that Simpsons joke where they get that virtual reality and they're playing the yard work simulator while all the yard work needed to be done. And that's how I feel now when I play mini golf or other things. Uh, how about yourself, Emma? Hey, yeah. So, um, I mean, I'm in Texas. I went to a school here that kind of specialized in feature animation. And so I was on more of a feature film track. And I actually had a teacher that saw that I didn't really like it and was like, hey, how about you try this instead? And... So my first headset was a Rift a long time ago when it was way more expensive and you had sensors all over your room and cables running everywhere and made some cute games about making friends in a forest. You would walk around and kick someone and it was really wholesome. You just talked to this little kid as he was walking around. Hold on. You you kick people to make friends in that game? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it was like this. um, (laughs) We were trying to see if you would treat characters differently if you had to speak to them so if you had this dude that was struggling you could say like hey kick that dude and your little character would run up and kick him or you could say hey hug that dude and you could run over and hug him and i don't know it turns out it was fun to do both so i don't think it was very conclusive and when does this game (laughs) come out because i want to kick things that was just like a college project (laughs) okay (laughs) it's probably on on what is it itched somewhere it's um, like Carmageddon, but with people. You just walk through the forest and just, oh, there's a guy, kick him. There's kick a squirrel, him. hug it. Kick it. Um, yeah, so I started doing that. And then, I mean, my story is a little less romantic than Edward's. I've just had weird sort of, hey, you should talk to this person. Hey, you should talk to this person. So I had a job where I was working for my ex-boyfriend's mentor's boyfriend doing HoloLens development. And that's, you know, the weird chain of events that I got that through. And then um, I guess my old roommate reached out to my current roommate and was like, hey, Mighty Coconut, they're doing this cool mini golf game. Like, you like mini golf? Check it out. And so I did, and now I'm here. Less exciting. It's like an interesting contrast between how both of you guys kind of got in with this. You know, one person seems to just say, "Hey, I'm going to work for you guys," and then the other one, you're you're going through all these connections and the different <laughs> layers and <laughs> getting through. That's uh, it. But that's kind of how things are these days, right? Like, two routes to the same thing. Yeah. So uh, we we've been Sean and I have been playing. Uh, walkabout mini golf since well since Sean first got his Oculus and funny story about that is that Sean bought it and I bugged him so much about how it was just going to sit on his shelf collecting dust he's going to use his headset for like two weeks and then never use it again and then um, three weeks later I bought one myself (laughs) and it's a it's a regular thing so like Sean and I you know we we now live super far away like 2300 kilometers away from each other so walkabout mini golf is uh, our way of just hanging out and relaxing on, uh, you know, a Thursday evening when we've had a long day at work and stuff like that. So, uh, what so far has been uh, 
well, like what's your favorite part of working on uh walkabout mini golf? If there, if there was anything. So I find that honestly, it's hard to break down because every day you go in and you get to do something really, really new and exciting. I get given like a block out of a level and then I get told, all right, we need to make this look pretty. And I always love that first playthrough where one of the level designers has put together something and we're testing it and we're working through it. And we get to put on the headsets and for the first time see a completely new level, but it is effectively just gray boxes. And I mean, when our level designer does it, he really enjoys going a bit over the top. Um, But we get to look around and it's both really fun because it's a new space, which is it's like opening a Christmas present. But also then you immediately start mentally painting it in going, oh, okay, I can see this sort of architectural structure here or this coloring over here. And it's, it's like walking through an arts and crafts store because you just see all the possibilities while you're also playing a game. It's like the perfect matchup. So it's like uh, you walk into almost a blank canvas and you can just paint it however you want. Absolutely. It's a really, really wonderful experience. And then you get down into sort of the brass tacks of putting it together, which is still really fun. I've, honestly enjoy every bit of the work but that first day is just so exciting it it seems to me like every time i walk into one of your environments for the first time i use walk as the the non-literal sense because if i did i'd walk into a wall but it's just it's so overwhelming but in a beautiful kind of adventurous way like you're just like what do i want to look at right now um especially when you look at levels like um the the Greece one I can't remember the name at like for whatever reason right now or Shangri La Babylon yeah Babylon yes Gardens thank of you. Babylon yeah and uh, most recently like Sweetopia you're just like I want to walk over there I don't want to play right now I just want to fly and check out these gummy bears what is it what is it about this game that makes you guys like what level design element are you guys like so um, infatuated with when you're building these things? Like, is there something that just is like, no, this has to be here? And like, why? Um, I think before I hand over to Emma, because she's going to give a completely different answer, I'm sure. I think the most important bit, which I haven't seen picked up on in the industry a lot, is that a good chunk of the level design is done in VR. So we use oh, wow. primarily a tool called Gravity Sketch, uh, which you can sort of look at it as a scale model and then sort of uh, expand it or shrink it like when you're in god mode in the game looking down on the level and then you can be in it and you can look around and go oh that looks bad in the sight line or this bit's overwhelming or this isn't overwhelming enough and vr so new we're still really learning all the new rules of level design and interaction and so often you get people from classic games and they come in and they build a game environment like you would for a normal 3d game and it just doesn't work in the slightest and i think we're seeing more and more of this but um i would credit a lot of that to actually doing a lot of the design in vr itself that's really cool yeah so i mean what edward said it's the weirdest part about creating for vr is scale because if you're doing it on your computer you know like it looks the same you know, it could be huge mm-hmm. or it could be tiny, but it's just what it is. And then you pop into VR and you realize that, like, 
there's a chair for ants that, you know, you thought you would sit in. And part of what's really cool <laughs> is the Zoolander one that you guys got to yeah. make. Yeah. Oh, that <laughs> would be so cool. There it is. There's no one in there. A school for ants. <laughs> <laughs> Our level designer, like Edward said, um, one of them just goes over the top, blocks in the whole thing, and it really feels like a real place. And so when I'm in there, I I like to mentally be be in there. And so I think about what would I do if I was in this room? Like, who are the, who are the people that live here? And so like my first big course I worked on was Quixote Valley. And there were a bunch of little areas that I just thought I would love to sit here and have a slice of pie or drink some tea. And so I want to make this cozy and wholesome and they probably harvest flowers for a living. And then there's this thing about there's a loom in one of the rooms in there that was made from a a prop from an old pirate wheel that we just mm-hmm. had in our library for some reason. And in my mind, I was like, this was a gang of pirates that crash landed at Quixote Valley and they've turned their <laughs> like rough and tumble lives around and now just harvest flowers. And that I get really so like amazing. into the backstory. So how many, how many 3D designers are there? with um mighty coconut that works on like does uh the level design for for like 3d modeling and stuff like that painting the canvas so to speak in terms of the 3d modeling me and emma are currently the main ones but we we're just expanding like right now we're bringing in loads of more there's this new guy i've been working with on an upcoming level which we haven't announced but will be like i think the next one released um and called Tad, and he's just fantastic. He actually worked on some of the levels before they released, like on uh, Tourist Trap, which is the first one. He was brought in to uh, help oh, give the place that. a sense of life. And uh, so now we're expanding hugely. I've been recording tutorials all day uh, for new members. But then we have a lot of crossover. Um, our technical artist, Craig, he also does some 3D modeling, like he'll help in the optimization of certain things when it gets to him. We've got our level designers like Henning. He also does 3D modeling for important bits. And then Don, who's our creative director, he also models half the props because he's really <laughs> good at it. So it's it it's meant it's partially meant to be, not really meant to be me and Emma, but there's actually a cast of thousands. Yeah. Gotcha. It's also kind of funny how differently we all came in too. Like Dawn is still modeling in Google Blocks, and um, I was in Maya when I first came on, and then Lucas and I guess Lucas was soft Softimage software that no longer too. exists. Mm-hmm. And wow. we're all in Blender now, so Edward's just our resident Blender so, guru. So I'm curious about um, when you guys are working on a new level. Do you divide the work up in in like certain areas? So is one person in required or sorry responsible for you know say like holes one through three? You guys deal with the design of that, or is it more of a collaboration between everyone? Like this would be good here, or that would be good there, kind of thing. It's kind of done in passes. So we have our level designer who goes and does the first pass. Um, I think Lucas, the owner of the company, has a, a more like whole based approach, and then the other artists slowly start to fill in the environment. Um, but then on top of that, like we're all starting to kind of specialize in what we do on the pipeline. So I mostly do um, like 
the characters and organic modeling and props. And then things get passed to Don, who will do a set dressing pass. And then Edward gets it, and Lord knows what he does, but it's always better after he touches it. I um, he, do <laughs> guru. The, yeah, I do a lot of the architecture and a lot of the mesh optimization. So uh, I, I cross paths a lot with the technical artist, making sure that what we hand to him for when he brings it into Unity and lights it all up is you know a bit more uh, usable. But yeah, Emma's uh, work on the upcoming Labyrinth level is just, it's blown my mind. I've been using Blender for like 15 years and she's doing stuff that I'm like, I have no idea how. It's beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, now I'm even more excited for this because <laughs> Labyrinth was something that I grew up watching. I watched that movie a lot. So I think a lot of people did, you know, it was, it's a staple of a lot of people's childhoods and, and so when that was announced, I know that uh, Sean and I, you know, we're messaging each other and be like, did you see the new walkabout announcement? So it's, it's pretty exciting stuff, especially uh, something as grand as Labyrinth. So you guys have been working on that one for a while now. How does the design process differ for something like that, where you're working with source material um, and you would more or less be limited so to speak in what you can do because the way that i would see it is you, you can't really stray too much from what the original material is right like you want to keep it similar to the source but also walkabout mini golf is very unique in its own right so how do you guys put your own spin on that and keep it the same at the same time it helps that we have a really unique art style. And it's funny to say unique art style when it is very low poly, but it, it does it the low poly work we do here is quite different to a lot of other games because it's bound by different sort of engine rendering rules. So they um working um with sort of the team uh behind Labyrinth, everyone's been really accepting of everything that we've produced because it has always been unique we've been surprised that we're not stepping on any legal department's toes um but we ha have had sort of meetings where we present stuff and go okay here's where we're at what's your approval and that was really done early on a lot in concept art we have a concept artist called zach who is really good at uh drawing over something and giving it that fantastic feeling that you want from a level and he's been really um important in bringing together the feeling of every space that we're in and so we got to show those to henson really early on and talk to their team and say okay is this good is this bad but i think the biggest change with labyrinth compared to any of the other levels is just the size it's huge it's, huge. it's giant it's um i measured it next to tourist trap the other day and it's like so so much larger because Every area of Labyrinth, as you know, having seen the film, is quite unique. Mm -hmm. um, whereas you'll be aware from our other levels, there's often like a big space where there's lots of holes next to each other and you can sort of see across and all those wonderful things. But in Labyrinth, you can't really do that because you're contained in a Labyrinth. So to have that walking and freedom of space feeling, it's become a lot larger than some of our other levels and I mean, it's we have like one just like whole environments built around the idea of one hole for this one it doesn't 
Wow. <laughs> I cannot <laughs> wait. Sorry. I can honestly not wait. So in Labyrinth, are we going to see familiar characters from the film? Or is that uh, an area that you guys aren't really allowed to touch? We've been allowed to or do you know- some character stuff. I'm not sure how much I really should be talking on, so I'm going to leave it quite okay. vague. <laughs> no but problem. we have been allowed to do character stuff. Otherwise, you know, you wouldn't have seen uh, some of the things you saw on our wonderful little poster uh, to announce it. And yes, there will be a lot of characters, a lot of environments from the film that you should all recognize and have a lot of fun and get lost in, as it is quite literally a labyrinth. So, <laughs> so hold on, are we are we going to get, we might start playing Labyrinth and, and they're going to find us like weeks later, just lost in this months thing. And we just have to, yeah, months, <laughs> we're, we're a shadow of what we once were, our bodies shriveling away. All we have to do is take the headset off. Because the game's so long now. <laughs> yeah, just, you'll need a battery pack is what I'm saying. Um, oh, <laughs> No, wow, not, that's not, a that's a huge thing. <laughs> hopefully, table. hopefully not. A hole should still take the same amount of time, but there's a lot more to explore than we put into our other levels. I think this is uh this is the big one. So that leads to my next question is you guys have done such a great job with telling a story on every single like course that you're playing. And when you go into that hard mode, which is more frustrating than you can believe sometimes you even have those fox hunts and the fox hunts also tell a story. Are you guys going to be continuing along with the story? Are you creating your own new story for the labyrinth um, level? Or is it going to be like trying to follow something traditional from the film? That's a good question. Um, oh, we're not allowed to ask that question. Are we? No, no. I mean, like, obviously we want to, we want to do a good job with the story. And so there's going to be elements of the movie that feed into the fox hunt. Like that's going to make sense with what you're doing. Um, But I don't know if the actual fox hunt's been written yet. So I don't even know if I can answer that. Like, I, I know that it all revolves around a scene from the movie, but outside of that, that's about as much as I know. Is it dance, baby, dance? Because that's uh... <laughs> you have to track down all the dancing babies across the level. Yeah, you remind me of the babe. Pitched... What babe? <laughs> Where babe? Find all eighteen babes. I'm getting Shangri La vibes all over. Finding <laughs> oh, those little mooncakes <laughs> took me forever. Uh, and you'd like fly by brutal. pillars. And you're like, oh, I was here already. Oh, yeah, and it's just the same window every time, just going in circles. And you knew the game too. That's the like that's the hard part. Like you know it's yeah. there, but it's not. Yeah. Um, I will say the element that you guys added in the one of the last updates, where you have that blue hue where the clues were, amazing for helping your friends find the clues. Thank you, whoever came up with that, genius. You deserve a raise, but thank you. It was great. <laughs> yeah, Sean <laughs> and I will. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Yeah, it was one of those heavily requested features. We uh, we all pay so much attention to the Discord, and people are always like, "Oh, can you do this?" And I'm going, "We all want to. You got to give our poor programmers time. These poor people, we're working to the bone on a keyboard. Um, be it that was a uh, be able to show hidden golf balls and hidden uh, clues for your friends was huge. Yeah. Sorry. Whenever they release a, a new level, Sean and I will spend. Like that same day, we will play it and we'll find all the clues. And then we play it 
a few days later with someone else and we're like, uh, we think it's over here somewhere. And usually it's not nowhere near that. So it's, it's helped us <laughs> quite a bit. Yeah. Um, I mean, that was even an issue for us internally because for playtesting, sometimes our saves would just get wiped so we wouldn't have access to the hard courses. And then we would all just be flying around the courses trying to remember where the balls were so that we could find them all and hop into the hard course really quick. And no one ever remembers. So do people just get to randomly, like, do you guys just get to randomly select where balls and, and the clues are for fox hunts or is, are they strategically placed? Because we noticed that in... Uh, Gardens of Babylon, I think it was, that there was a lot of balls up in trees uh, that as was opposed on- to some of the other ones where they're more on the ground or hidden on the edges of, of uh, courses and whatnot. I have a particular affinity for the balls. Okay, there's a horrible soundbite, um, but <laughs> it's clipped and on the Discord now. Hooray! Um, <laughs> Uh, because I, I get to do all the ball designs, so I'm always like, yes, yes, yes. And traditionally, they were hidden by Lucas, who owns the company. And now it's sort of it might be uh, handing our level designer or Craig, our technical artist. But as each level comes out, now that we're really into DLCs, we're going, okay, well, you must have played all the free ones before you're buying a DLC, surely. And so you've had practice. And so every DLC, there's the internal battle of the company. People going, "Oh, this should still be fun and approachable," and someone like me going, "No, it must be cruel. We must suffer." Um, so it's normally, just me and Don suffering. What are the uh, odds of you uh, making us a uh, special custom scene on screen ball for uh, <laughs> in game? Oh, bold question. <laughs> you you don't have to answer that one, but uh, that's. <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh phew i don't want to i i keep so, trying to hide a custom ball with like just my name on it just like edward ball design that would be awesome i think that would be great one easter egg on a level would be just all the creators names i think that would be so cool um i i have like a two-part question for you guys now um you are kind of moving into like you were uh, walkabout came out with all this free dlc and it was really amazing and it got people hooked then we started moving into this, there's some paid DLC, which still, you know what, for the price that we're paying for these courses, worth every penny. And I'm a huge advocate for making sure that game designers and game developers are getting paid for what they're doing. Like nothing should be free beyond a certain point, because obviously if I want more game, I should be willing to pay for it. But it also looks like you guys are starting to get bigger and bigger with your collaboration ideas and your course ideas. So question number one would be like, what are your thoughts on this? And question number two is if you could pick any theme in the world for one course that has your name all over it, what would you pick? Because if I was a designer, I would pick a cruise ship and that makes no sense, but I'm not a designer. Okay. Well, I'll take the first part and then Emma, you can take the second part. Oh, Um, brutal. um, I... (laughs) In terms of like how the sort of the financials and all that set up, we can't really talk to that, not because it's a big secret, more just because we're two of the artists. But I know there was a big discussion behind the scenes because, you know, there's really two schools of thought. And this is not so much just walkabout, but just gaming in general. If you want to make more content that's accessible, do you make a follow up, a sequel to the game, or do you make DLC? And I think in this case, um, and this is just my personal opinion, it makes more sense for something like Walkabout to be a DLC because if, say, 
we made um, Walkabout Mini Golf 2, you know, it it doesn't offer any huge benefits over just adding little pieces. If, you know, you're a gamer and I say, hey, okay, the first eight courses were in like the $15 game, the next eight are in the next $15 game, you need to double your investment to play something with more friends. And what we've got set up now is that if you're playing with someone and if the person who opens the room first has the level unlocked, then everyone can play. They don't need to buy the level. So we can make it nice and accessible and you can just pick out what works for you because we can add new gameplay elements. Um, Like with Coyote Valley, we added a wind. Um, In Shangri-La, we added sort of sand traps, which we sort of hadn't done before. Uh, We can add lots of new features and really expand the game while still making sure everyone can get in and play it together. Um, Because unfortunately, you've got to charge money. Capitalism is the way the world works. We've got to, you know, keep going. But I think the question ends up being not so much free DLC versus paid DLC as in sequel versus DLC. And I think for each different game, you have a different answer. Or at least, you know, I wasn't exactly involved in the discussion, so this is very much my opinion, not so much Mighty Coconut's opinion, but that's how I see it breaking down. But it, no, it does that, make sense. Awesome. And and Sean and I have kind of had these discussions in past episodes that we've recorded where, you know, when a company releases a sequel to a game, it divides their player base. And one thing that we've really enjoyed is being able to play this game with our friends and anyone who picks up a, well, it's on this is on a few different platforms, but whoever has a VR headset can most likely get this game and we can play with them. Right. And that's one thing that we've really enjoyed about this and the DLC models, I, you know, we wait for the update to go live. We buy it and we start playing it right away. Right. So, but then uh, Emma, you were on uh, part two of that question. If you could have any area as your, uh, your own course, what would it be? Man, I wish I took part one. (laughs) (laughs) I do. I mean, I do just want to echo what Edward was saying earlier, though, because the most special part of this game is the community and how accessible it is. Like we get stories of grandparents being able to throw on a VR headset and just can pick it up and stay in touch with family that they wouldn't necessarily be able to see and having like a set sort of built up community and then giving that community just new worlds that they can explore and experience together. Um, I think is the best part about releasing DLC. Um, Just keeping people together. We love it. We get, we get very excited anytime we see that little box show up on Instagram or when like the press kits get updated and you're like, Oh, there's something new in the Dropbox. This is amazing. (laughs) That's really fun. But to, neither of you have a dream scenario, which yeah, kind of yeah. c- concerns I have, me. I have I have some dream scenarios. I just see my uh, IP. <laughs> yeah, all of mine. Oh, uh, okay. Star <laughs> Wars. Yeah, we know. Like, come on. Yeah, I want Bioshock. Let me into Rapture. That would be a fun one. Interesting. Wow. Nice. The thing, the thing to think about when we, you know, choose a new level, and is that. It's not so much, say, the characters that are there, although we have leaned into that a bit more with, say, Labyrinth. It's the environment. Is the environment a character? Is the environment worth being in? Because that is effectively the other player when you're playing Walkabout Mini Golf. is you're hanging out in the environment, which is why Labyrinth is such a great fit because it's so many big, impossible scenes and environments. And you watch the film and you go, oh, man, 
I want my brother to be taken away and explore, or maybe just the explore part, who knows? And so for me, I'm like, oh, give me, give me Bioshock or something so I can explore. Give me stuff. I mean, we've already got some Star Wars VR and I love it, but being a big nerd, mm-hmm. I want more. Yeah. Um, speaking of characters, the, one of the best updates probably was the avatars and having the little mouths that move when, uh, when people talk, it made the game, I don't know, brought it to a whole new level. The looming question is, are we going to be getting any more character customization anytime soon? Because I can only change my hat so many times. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that that's on the radar. Um, some of it just keeps getting pushed back because there's so much that we have going on at a time. Um, and I, so I've modeled everything for the avatars. So I, it's... A lot of it's schedule dependent because we have one person that's sort of doing it and then one technical artist that's dumping it in the game. Um, but we do have like concept drawn up and ideas that we want to do. Um, there's a lot that we want to <laughs> that we want to get done and just not as much time as well, we need my to do it. Avatar it feels like sometimes. Thanks you for the the scarf. It kept me warm all winter. Thank you. I love that scarf. See, yeah, I'm a sucker I, for the fake beard. Because everyone's sort of bearded in the company. And so I had ordered this set of like tie on beards to wear in meetings. And it was like the day that they came in, we'd switched to VR meetings. And so I threw a fake beard on the avatar customization so that I could That's still so have my awesome. moment. That's great. So I only have one more looming question before I think you guys have something you want to share, which is amazing. But David and I have tried. We've tried to access this through your Instagram. And your Instagram is great because this is how we got to you guys. You're you're very community focused and you love to interact with us, which we love. But nobody will answer this question. Why is there a body just laying at the bottom of Sweetopia? Whose is it? What happened? We need answers. I wish I had a recording of when I found the body because we were waiting for uh, one of our friends to finish the hole right above there with like the big spinning, I don't know, taffy mixing thing there. Uh, And I'm just flying around and I'm like, oh my God, guys, there's a body down here. (laughs) So then we spent 20 minutes just looking at it and trying to figure out where it could have been. We're taking pictures. We're like, this is amazing. Like, twisted in the real world but in vr we're like is it the candy maker's body what happened that's um that's me i have uh it seemingly become known (laughs) not not my body no i'm still here i'm still alive (laughs) i hid the body there i've become rather known on the discord for hiding weird jokes in the levels and it's it has just sort of devolved into bodies in labyrinth the other day i was like hmm, hmm, this area needs more corpses in it no idea if anyone thinks that's an okay thing to do but as em was you know talking about how we try and make each area feel lived in where you go oh this is where someone would read or you know drink a cup of tea i like to make areas feel you know died in <laughs> okay just cover the whole spectrum yeah. it, it, I, the I first way- rant the first random thing that we found was a random ping pong paddle. And I honestly cannot remember what map that was on, but I was flying through one of the mountains. Cherry Blossom. Yeah. And there's this like random ping pong paddle just floating there. 
it's was under that a you mountain as well? and we're like what is this that one wasn't me that uh cherry blossom was put together just before my uh time with mighty coconut that was one of those things where you accidentally put something in and by the time you notice it's like well i guess it lives there now it's having a good and fulfilling life like uh, our um our 3d uh, vr tool i was talking about a uh, gravity sketch if you sort of hold down the trigger you can draw in 3d and it's incredible and really useful and you can leave notes you can block things out and the half my life is spent going and finding the place where someone has not meant to draw and accidentally just drawn a tiny little line <laughs> that has way too many triangles in it and so half my optimization job is finding lines and drawings that no one remembers exist hidden under like three layers of something and i go oh yes i got rid of uh hundreds of triangles but actually it was me just deleting hidden things like the paddle it's it's funny because we i don't know what made us go beyond that waterfall but we were just in there and we're like oh what is that so we just like flew as far as we could and it was it was just funny to find, but now I'm excited to find what else you got cooking around. I think personally for me, my favorite level is the crypto miss one. I, I don't know what it is, but the, the sound design, the level design, everything involved in there is just like, I feel so happy. It's like a Christmas crypt and it's just, it's fun. It's different. And like, I forget I'm playing VR. Um, that. That warms my heart because that was the first level I was really, really heavily involved in. And my first thing I did was put those little torture chambers with people in them. And we it was one of the few levels we released the hard version and the easy version at separate times. And the easy version came out and it was too dark and you couldn't see the bodies. I was really yeah. sad until we went, oh, we're going to light it all up. We're going to do Christmassy. And I'm like, fantastic. Christmas lights <laughs> on all the corpses. Show them off. <laughs> Even the jokes were great. Like mind the cord, very simple, but you're just like, this is awesome. Like it was, it was very well done. Now, I don't know which one of you has taken the lead on this, but I believe you guys have an announcement before you go. We do. We do. I'll, I'll, I'll take this one. Uh, just so you know, we, we just didn't, you know, we've just been talking about an IP labyrinth, nothing too exciting there. The real IP. We have another one in the works. It's missed. We didn't want to miss such a good opportunity, and we're making Mist Island from the hit game as a mini golf course, which makes absolutely no sense. And we're so excited, and it's brilliant. Honestly, so this announcement is huge because Mist is just kind of like Labyrinth. It is a a huge game. For a lot of people, a lot of people grew up playing Mist in those puzzle games. So, um, I think for something like this, you guys just hit the nail on the head, and you can do so much. We are so excited to see what you guys are going to come out with for this game um, or this level. Um, but yeah, that's. It, I I don't want to get too excited because I want I need to play Labyrinth first. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. when are we expecting I, Mist? Mist is coming in quite a while. It's it's quite an early announcement compared to say Labyrinth, where we were much further along down the track. Mist is, um, it, it I mean it's quite substantially done, so it'll be uh quite a, but it's still going to be quite a bit of a way away. Our levels take ages. We we didn't talk a huge amount here, but a level from beginning to end takes about a year, and we always have 
sort of eight to ten levels on the go at any time and emma was saying earlier how we're all now sort of specializing we try and do it where you work on your special bit for a month and punt it to the next person and we're going to try and aim to have a level out every month but mist is a little ways away and i mean i'm excited it's my favorite game ever i think it was entirely deserving to be the best-selling game like every year for nine years um it's just my absolute go-to happy place the release date is a mystery. Nice. Oh my God. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh I'm I'm excited, especially with that little nugget there that in between Labyrinth and Mist we have other things coming. And before Labyrinth we have another level too. So we're getting another level before Labyrinth? Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah, is it's it not- is it December twenty fifth yet? Because this feels like Christmas right now. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, I mean, if you want, we'll hold off all the new levels till December twenty fifth. You guys don't need anything new no, before the Discord then. Discord will hate us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we don't want to. We don't need that angry mob coming after us. <laughs> yeah, we want them to like and adore us. We want to be okay. the voice of the people. <laughs> oh, I love getting messages on Discord. Like. I don't know about you guys, but we just get really weird messages, all of us, all the time. It's it's a lot of fun. I can yeah, imagine. Yeah, we, we don't get a lot of weird ones. We just get like a lot of like, hey, dummy, this was wrong. And we're like, oh, sorry. Like we had an opinion. But it, it happens. That's, that's the part of the business, right? But David yeah. uh, and I are so thankful that you guys came on. We love the chat. We can't wait to have another chat with you guys soon. Edward and Emma, thank you so much for your time with us. And thanks to Mighty Coconut for offering you guys out to us for about a half hour or closer to 40 minutes. We're sorry. Um, But thank you. Thank you so much for for coming on. It was an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having us. It's been awesome. Love your podcast already. We were already listening when David had said, these guys, you know, want to talk to you. And we're like, oh, we love them. (laughs) So it was perfect. Match made in heaven. Amazing. Well, we we want to thank you again, sincerely, uh, for myself and David. Thanks for listening, <laughs> and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Scene on Screen podcast. <laughs>